All righty, here we go. Yep. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 461 being recorded on August 2nd, 2017. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Valentano. Your clicky thing makes noise. I know. Just tap it instead of pushing it. That's fine. That's I'm just saying. That's okay. You're gonna you're gonna be copy and pasting. Squeeze it. Don't pull it. <laughs> uh, I would counter those requests uh welcome to the show everybody this is a uh, piece of protective podcast we talk about computer hardware and only computer hardware 100 percent of the time uh-huh. uh it's been a busy week i was in i spent my i spent my weekend off at, in los angeles at amd meetings in SIGGRAPH. so uh, it's like the week never ended and so that's a pretty great feeling honestly um we do record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, pcper.com slash live. pcper.com slash subscribe gets you this page here. If you need a gentle reminder that will show you uh, or will tell you, hey, these guys are going to be live on the Internet soon. And I give you a little rundown of what we're going to talk about, a couple of the topics, uh, and that's all we use it for. So sign up for that, and uh, maybe you'll, you'll be the first to know about what the secret AMD live stream is going to be like next week. You'll be the first to know. PCPro.com slash subscribe. Uh, we also have our Patreon campaign going. I, I hate to say this. I feel like I'm begging, but we're back at $3.99. Oh, no. We're back at $3.99. Josh, don't do it. Somebody no. could be the 400th patron again. <laughs> again. Hey, uh, so we got to check in. That that uh, Who was our guy last week that was... Uh... Like oh, the hundred dollars! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did go through. Oh wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he, he actually oh, wow. emailed me to make sure it went through. Oh, so mad props out to him. Yeah. Uh, absolutely did. Awesome. Uh, so Patreon, by the way, for those who don't know, is uh, your uh, is, is a website that facilitates you being able to directly to contribute to us on a monthly basis. It could be a dollar a month, three, five, ten, twenty, a hundred dollars a month, whatever you actually feel like the content we produce is worth. Hey. We didn't hit that mark that I said we'd have to hit to do mailbags, and here I am doing mailbags anyway. M A I L E. Wait, mailbags. Mailbags. Did I say put an E on the end yes, anyway? You put an end on it's a mix yeah. of the two mail. Oh, right. So you figure oh, it out. Okay. Um, so Patreon.com/slash/PCPer takes you to the site. Um, you can contribute there. We're eternally grateful. Uh, for anybody that uh, appreciates us enough in order to do that, it's great. If you do, if you run uh, ad blocker, this is a good way for you to kind of make up for that socially and emotionally, I feel. Um, and if you just feel like we're doing good stuff, we would we would greatly appreciate it. Anybody who becomes a patron or increases their Patreon campaign during the stream um, will get called out. Anybody that decreases their patron Patreon uh, amount during the show will also get called out. <laughs> just saying. Just putting that out there. Uh, real quick, we did mention we're doing mailbags now. This dumb face here. Ooh, no, no, here where'd, it, go. where'd it go? There he goes. Uh, is my face doing the second PC per mailbag cam- uh, campaign? Just mailbag. This is really just me sitting in front of the monitor talking at it for about 24 minutes. So if you find oh, that you're not opening any mail, uh, yeah. uh, I'm opening virtual mail. Mm, that's not as fun. virtual M I. A M A I L E. I don't see. I don't see, a, I don't see a pole in the background. M A I L E. So it's it's, e. it's just confusing enough to, yeah. to be interesting. Um, so we've got that going on, and also uh, you know what M A I L E in French means? I do not. Yep. Ballsack. 
Awesome. Is it really? It's a bag of balls. No. Oh, <laughs> darn. Now I want to know. Uh, hmm. We also have, this is probably my favorite opening to a video ever. We're doing our PC per plays. Um, and this <laughs> is where Ken and I, or two people or whatever, uh, play a game for that a really little bit. really describes a relationship, I think. <laughs> Pretty much. Me, the, the clap I just made, you mean? And yes. the face I make. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, an hour plus or something like that. This week we played Star Wars X-Wing, the original 19, well, the 1994 or five version. Yeah. Slightly re- uh, improved, uh, added voice acting, whatever, but still the original graphics. You can come see us play that. Uh, I'm using a um, Logitech, an old Logitech USB joystick as well. It was pretty fun. I did blow up a Death Star. Uh, no, you didn't. You I blew, blew up, up a Star Destroyer. Yeah. I got killed Ugh. on the Death Star level about four times in a row very quickly. And I went, nah, I probably shouldn't fast forward right to the last level of the game. Yep. So even though I would bet there's almost... It wasn't almost, the last level of the game. It was in the middle of the game. Yeah, you're right. Mm. I would also bet that there's probably no difficulty differences. It's not like the AI is smarter in that one. There's I just more enemies thrown at you probably. Yeah. So uh, check those two out on our YouTube channel if you haven't yet uh and let us know what you think about the new content so let's get into news and reviews of the week we're going to start uh we have a lot of amd stuff to touch on but we're going to start with on the review side uh this went up i guess right after the podcast last week yep yeah ryzen 3 1300x 1200 and 13 i'm sorry 1300x and 1200 cpus the ryzen 3 processors are um the bottom rung of the ryzen family uh you know Ryzen 7, Ryzen 5, now Ryzen 3, kind of competing against the core i3 processors. You can kind of see in this table here a little bit of what that looks like. Um, both of these are quad-core parts with four threads, so they do not have SMT enabled. They have uh, base clocks of 3.1 or 3.4 gigahertz, and then boost clocks of 3.4 or 3.7. So 300 megahertz difference between the two SKUs. Still two-channel DDR4 memory, 65-watt uh, TDPs, and $109 and $129 MSR Ps, um, which puts them in an interesting position, right? Because if you look at uh, the Pentium or the Intel line, the Pentium G4560 is 80 bucks thereabouts. Core i3-7100 is 119 The 7350K, which was an interesting part when Intel announced it to begin with, that it would, there would be an unlocked, kind of overclocking-friendly Core i3 part. And then you go up to Core i5-7500 at, at $204. So the, the, you know, the Ryzen 3s are, again, aggressively priced, um, and you know you can use these with any any platform that supports Ryzen. That could be X three seventy, B three fifty, or A three twenty. Although I would say using an X three seventy board is probably a, a bad move for cost concerns. Both these processors do ship with this cooler, the Wraith. What is it called, Ken? The Wraith uh, Spire. Spire. Yeah, there you go. It's good. It's quiet. It's effective. You know, I, we have no problems with this with this integrated cooler. Um, Still all the same architecture and, um, you know, changes and stuff that go along with that. We did our normal rounds of benchmarks, you know, Sysmark to uh, uh, Pavre to Cinebench. Let me go actually here over to uh, our... So this is a good test. Audacity MP3, very single-threaded application workload. And you can see that the Ryzen 3 1300X is it's the slowest of the parts here other than the Ryzen 3 1200. Um, not unexpected. They're running at you know, more modest clocks than the other Ryzen parts. And 
AMD has a disadvantage in ICE, uh, in, in IPC. Now, if you look at something like uh, the Cinebench multi-threaded scores, where higher is better, you'll see that the Ryzen 3 13X is faster than the 4560. It's faster than the Core i3 7100. It's faster than the Core i3 7350K. And it's, you know, within fighting battle of the Core i5-7500 because the Core i5s are also 4-core, four 4-thread. Four so, you know, they're running it at pretty good performance levels across the board. Now, the one that's most interesting probably is going to be the gaming performance because this is the class of product you go to when you're trying to build super low-cost parts or super low-cost builds. And you can kind of see that it's... It's more. It doesn't win all the game tests. It doesn't lose all the game tests. It is more competitive with Core i3 than Ryzen 5 was with Core i5 or Ryzen 7 was with Core i7 mm-hmm. because the Core i3s downclock a little bit more than the i5s do. But no, it's just, just two cores and four threads, right? So the difference yep. of four threads versus four true cores is, is, is noteworthy. Like, you know, if you look at this game like Deus Ex, no processor makes any difference across the board in those results. But uh, Far Cry Primal, like, there are differences, but the, the Ryzen 3 is, is very competitive. Same in GTA V. Uh, Hitman is a, li- it's a little bit behind some of the higher-end Core i3s. Ryzen Tomb Raider is kind of right there with it. Um, I, I, think, I think it's pretty good results. If you look at performance per dollar, that's really what matters to um, the, uh, uh, this class of product. I will note the power, power consumption is higher for these than the other ones. Um, but it, not not so much that, I don't know, it, it, it feels odd because the TDPs of these parts are much closer than the power consumption would indicate. Uh, so, you know, c- clearly there's a difference of, uh, of opinion on how, you, how we're measuring that or how they are setting the spec, not how we're measuring it. But regardless, it's, it's within reason. It's a very uh, efficient part in terms of performance per dollar when looking at multi-threaded apps. And even as we scroll down to gaming, you'll see that the best part in terms of performance per dollar is the Pentium G4560. Now, that being said, it's also the least performant processor in the mix. It just happens to be... Super cheap. Yeah. More (laughs) less expensive than it is uh, bad performance. I I was trying to figure out how to make that sense go. It's just extremely low cost. Right. Like if you sold a processor for a dollar and it rendered the frame at all you would probably get a pretty good metric here. So there probably needs to be a little bit of, uh, of thought that goes into that. Overall, pretty good part. I think it, it's a really good rounding out of the Ryzen platform. I think, Jeremy, correct us. Do we have Ryzen 3 in our hardware leaderboard at the budget side? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we might. Why Did, did you turn Nordic all of a sudden? I don't... What happened there? I just felt like it. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the heat is driving me literally insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, just... <laughs> Because you've got four true cores there, um, like you're showing, single-threaded, it might fall behind on some, but usually it's matching. You start uh, opening up into multi-threaded, and for a budget build, chances are it's going to be doing a lot of different tasks. You're going to benefit from that multi-threaded uh, performance and good price. Yeah, I, I think so too. Josh, any thoughts on, on Ryzen 3? I know um, you previously spent a lot of time with AMD processors. We haven't really gotten you any of the Ryzen stuff yet, which we'll, which we'll rectify soon now that the whole family is kind of out and about. Um, but I mean, do you think this is a good enough part, a good enough price to kind of make a dent? Yeah, for, for the price, it's, it's really good because you get four real threads as compared to the i3s. 
and the uh, the Pentiums, even though sometimes you have a little IPC improvement uh, on the Intel side, it is not exceptionally huge. It's not like you know the old uh, FX forty three fifties, which you know it's a last generation bulldozer part pile driver. It didn't do well. It was two module, four thread. It just couldn't compete. And now they've got things at a good price point. Um, they don't throw out a whole lot of heat. You can overclock them a little bit. I mean, Ryzen's not going to be a great overclocker, right. but uh, for the price, the platform that you can get either through B350 or X370, you get a whole lot of bang for the buck. Yes. And uh, having full four full core uh, cores and, and, and thread support is going to put you in, in things that will really leverage that into I-5 territory, which... You know, you're saving a hundred bucks off of with these processors. That's a that's a significant amount. I, I will like we didn't do any overclocking testing. Humanitarian asked in the chat. Um, we just we just kind of ran out of time on this particular launch. The, my guess is we're we're going to see it top out about the same thing we saw like the the higher end Ryzen seven parts. It seems to be more of a a chip level architectural issue. So somewhere around four gigahertz would be my guess, which could, you know, if you, especially if you can get that other Ryzen 3 1200 would be a pretty impressive perf gain for $109 or $109 CPU. You're probably going to need more cooler than what comes with this Mm -hmm. as well. So then you get into, okay, if you're going to spend $50 or 40 or $50 on a cooler, could you just buy a Ryzen 5 and get quad core eight thread? And what's the better use of your, of your money in terms of actual performance really depends on what your, what your workload happens to be. Uh, so check out that review. It is on PC Per. It is the Ryzen 3, and uh, it is in the hardware leaderboard as well. Josh, you posted a review of the Fanatec Club Sport Light Elite. I, um, I did. Isn't it Fanatic? Fanatec. Fanatic. Isn't you can't it re- put Light Fanatic. and Elite in a product name at the same time. Wait, it's Fanatic? Fanatic. Yeah. They're Germans. Oh, then they are Fanatics. All right. All right. So yes. what, we're looking at a racing wheel. Give me the give me the give me the high level. What give me the lowdown. Okay. Yeah. So no, I said the high level. You said a... lowdown. I said high level. Those are different things. So do you want the lowdown or the high level? I want the skinny. Give me the fat. <laughs> the gouge. <laughs> <sighs> you guys are so it. confusing. I know. Anyway, fanatic. They, you know, last year I did a review on the Club Sport V2 and all the accoutrements around it. It's a high-end $1,500 thing, the the Club Sport, last year. And uh, it had every kind of bell and whistle you could possibly want. Um, Really heavy-duty machine, uh, milled aluminum. Motor was exceptionally strong. Yeah. You know, real leather-wrapped wheel all those fun things yep well not everybody's willing to pay 1500 bucks for such a thing and fanatic is uh you know they're wondering what can we do more to get more consumers and give them the fanatic experience other than going into the same <laughs> asylum and slathering yourself with strawberry jelly Very fanatic cool yes uh they decided to make the club sport elite well club sport light Elite CSL, right. and this is a scaled down version of their wheel and their base. It uses a slightly um, 
less powerful motor. I think the Club Sport V2 and the V2.5 are about 8 to 8.5 newton meters of force. This is around 6 newton meters. So it's still pretty significant. And it's more than you would expect from, uh, say, a Thrustmaster T300 or a T uh, Thrustmaster TX. But around the same place as the new Thrustmaster TSPC. Now, they're actually offering this uh, with the, the, the base, a wheel that is Xbox One compatible, and then a two-pedal uh, pedal box for about 489 bucks. And this is far cheaper than they have ever offered anything before. And uh, they kind of upgraded my uh, setup with what's called the uh, uh, load cell braking system which gives you up to 90 kilograms of force to push down on, on your brake pedal. Right. And Alan probably knows exactly how, uh, how much force you really need to do have on, on, on good brake pedals and pedal? racing yeah. type experiences. 1.5 Newton meters. No, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a different, not like a spring loaded thing. I'm sorry. I just, that's the first thing that came pedal. to mind. Cause I had a torque wrench that said that recently. Yeah. Oh. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> most racers and people who are really experienced about this stuff, uh, they can really adjust the brake pressure, and it's kind of muscle memory in there to get to where they need to be with how much braking and, and surface conditions and all that. And so you can adjust this up to 90 kilograms. I Mine was, was not that much that I did. Now, you can adjust it from like 15 kilograms to the whole 90 I think I stay close to the 15 because I'm in a rolly chair. And let me tell you, trying to push down a brake pedal yeah. in a rolly chair yeah. with 90 kilograms of force, yeah, it, it doesn't work real well. you got to put that 2x4 um, block behind your chair. Have you been skipping leg day, Josh? Yes. Not and that. No, just, that's you essentially just, you when you need that, uh, that, that whole racing kit that I uh, linked, I think, last week or the week before, yeah. where you actually mount them on yeah, a do. steel rod base that your seat is actually attached to as as well. Um, but this is this was a surprisingly good set, and it provided nearly all of the performance of the higher end version for a lot less price. I mean, you've given up a lot in materials. Instead of having all this milled aluminum, you've got you know molded plastic. Right. Uh, it's it's the the framing and the support and all that are really well and not, well done. And not only that, but it has an integrated um, desk clamp that the Club Sport did not have but was offered as an extra. And that extra is huge, heavy, and clumpy, uh, clunky on, on the Club Sport, the full version, <laughs> the big one. But in this, it was more like the Thrustmaster clamps that uh, you can use it on something that's about you know three inches wide up to, you know, just as skinny as it can be. Mm-hmm. And it, it held the whole thing in place. The wheel material is kind of a rubberized plastic. It doesn't uh, get off on, on your hands. So, you know, after a couple hours of racing, you're not going to have black hands and, and, and little rubber right. pills around. Um, the wheel itself is quite light. So, and it's really rigid. So, as any physics guy can probably tell you, the lighter a rotating mass is, and the more rigid it is, the better the forces from the motor are going to be distributed to your hands. Hmm. And so they've done a really nice job in keeping the the 
the wheel light in even though you know it's it's you know not as powerful a motor it's still far more powerful than most other options you'll see out there and so the response the 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 feeling the acceleration is is all really good um and again it's it's being offered in a bundle with the two pedal set or 489, which is relatively inexpensive. I mean, you can get some of the Thrustmaster TX stuff uh, for about 250 on sale, and those are, you know, that's that's a good buy too. But you know, the entire Thru- uh, Fanatec experience is is a lot of power, um, pretty good compatibility with a lot of games, and so when you kind of combine all these things together, I thought it was a really good product. Give the silver award. Um, I've used it for six months. I haven't had any issues. Oh, you've had it that with long. It. Okay. I have had it that long. And, and, and <laughs> I didn't, mean, tell it, I didn't you, mean it like they're, that. They're I not just... real pleased with me, but <laughs> it's finally out. And uh, we know for sure oh, that it man. works for at least six months without any real issues. And and, and probably the, the thing that impressed me most was really the brake system. Um, I used the Club Sport version last year, which was their high end, $300 just for the pedals. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, a wonderful experience. And this was nearly as much, but for about the third of the cost. And so I think, you know, Fanatic really came through with where they cut costs, uh, but where they, you know, really decided to focus on to give you the best experience possible. So for the amount of money that you pay, I think it's a pretty dang good product. Every time you talk about wheels, I feel like I should do more racing I'm really bad but i'm really bad at it no i know we've got like good logitech hardware and stuff it's not that i feel like i need to go buy more stuff i just uh am bad at them i did have fun when we did the dirt rally games and stuff yeah it it just takes practice i know you have to have the hang of it then you like it and it'll be good and you'll be setting good times all right and not driving back (laughs) much boo not fun. fun yeah uh, all right, let's talk real quick about some other gaming accessories. This is new from Logitech, the Logitech PowerPlay, or uh, uh, yeah, so it's a Logitech PowerPlay, right? So this is what we're looking at. This is a wireless charging mouse surface. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is a large. I think it's thirteen by eleven is the actual size of the surface. So it's yeah. a, it's, it's, it's pretty big for a mouse. It's pad. a pretty big mouse pad. Yeah, um, and it basically uses a a, a wireless charging technology. With one of two new mice, mm-hmm. right? That number will expand um, because they had to integrate a um, like a charging dongle piece that, yeah. that comes out of the bottom. Or the models are, are familiar; they're not yeah. like brand new models. So they're they're, they're modifications. So it's, you got the G nine hundred three, the G seven hundred three. Yep. The nine hundred three is essentially the G nine hundred that I've used for a long time. I like it, and the G seven hundred three is essentially the G four hundred three updated to support wireless tech. Now the interesting thing is. Uh, before I go into more details on this, it's like you can just you can buy these mice today and just use them as mice and not worry about the wireless charging part ever. Yep. It just has a blank in the bottom circle, right? There's a blank and there's an optional weight, and then the third option is you put the wireless charging puck mm-hmm. in it. And the idea is pretty simple, right? Um, there's a cable that comes out of so up top here you have uh, some kind of uh, just module block or whatever you want to call it that attaches to the pad, the surface of the pad on the bottom. It's what generates the electrical field. Uh, electromagnetic field um there's a cable a usb cable that goes back to your machine obviously they want you to plug it directly into the motherboard or into a powered usb hub not a uh you know passive one that might limit some of the power output yep. and the idea is you can use the mouse on this surface 
anywhere anywhere on the, on the surface and it will never lose charge yep it will always supply enough power to at least maintain charge mm-hmm. and when you're not using it or if you're closer to the center it has the ability to supply enough to keep it like charge it up right yeah and i think it's able to get away with that because it's doing like a what was it there was a term it was resonant something i don't remember but you know it was uh basically there's a way for you to do wireless charging at a slightly higher range to the point where you don't necessarily need to be next to a coil, like immediately right. on top of a coil. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've seen that plugin before. Uh, uh, that plug-in. I think it was in Wrath of Khan where they <laughs> attach to the guy's ears. It does look similar to that. It's actually the same connector that they use on the G900 mouse as well. Yep. Um, so the idea here is in this module here is both the stuff that supplies the power to the pad as well as the wireless receiver for the mouse. Mm-hmm. So you plug this cable in, that's how the data is getting to uh, your actual PC, and then you just mouse like you would normally mouse, game, do productivity tasks, whatever it is, and you just never lose power. Yep, even if you're very active with it, it'll still at least break even. Yeah, Um, you can see in this photo here, you know, the blank versus, or no, this is the, uh, the one here is the charging module, this one here is the one with the weight in it, and you just kind of cycle it, flip it in and out of the bottom, depending on which one you do. And the benefit of this model is... You can, if you if you need to take your mouse with you to go to a LAN party or whatever, and you don't want to take the charging pad, the power play, because maybe it's a little bit more fragile. You don't want to worry about it getting stolen. Whatever it is, it is kind of fr- like it is kind of fragile. It's a flexible thing, but it has coils in it, and you should not bend it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, and it just works like a normal like Logitech G nine hundred wireless mouse, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so you can have the uh, like the the dongle for it. Connected, yeah, it like, still shifts with the norm. Like the mouse comes as if there was no wireless charging. Right. So the mouse comes really. with, the, with the you know the cable and the little. Um, there's a little block like that little, lets you yeah, connect the cable correct. to to the dongle to make it a little bit easier for you to manage and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, the software side is really easy. As soon as you plug uh, the pad in for the first time, it starts to look for a mouse, and the first mouse that it sees, that's the default. Now, if you want to change it, you just go into the software. It's like and Cupid. It's, it's nice. Uh, uh, Jim used it and said that it was a super uh, easy process. They actually have tuning. So the, the mouse pad, the, the PowerPlay charging pad, ships with two different surfaces, a soft surface and a uh, harder surface. And they have two profiles in the software that let you change like the, uh, I guess, sensitivity of the sensor and stuff like that, depending if you're using the harder soft surface because right, your mouse will just fundamentally move at different speeds and stuff. Yep. Um, and those you can switch between those pretty easily. Um, you know, you can monitor all the uh, lighting presets, power consumption, all that type of stuff. Um, a couple of uh, of caveats to it is it is not it's ninety nine bucks for, for the, the charging pad for the, pad. For the power play. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's I think it's shipping this month. We got a little bit of an early prototype. And the mouse is like, well, for the 903 it's like 150 or something. The 903 is 150 and the 703 is 99. Which yeah. those are the exact same prices that the 900 and the 403 had before it. Yeah. So they didn't raise the price in order to include the capability in the mouse. Yeah. But if you have the 900, now you have to get the 900. You would have to get a new mouse. Yeah. So, you you know, have to have you could only use these two mice with this with this surface. Yeah. Um Jim really liked it. Jim came away really impressed with its capability. You know, he gained with it a long time, had no issues with the power delivery, no issues with, you know, he said he basically, he suffered through gaming for, for multiple hours oh, yeah, overnight, um, nonstop. It's, I mean, it's basically and, and identical. The power, and the power on the mouse was 1% more than when he started. Yeah. So it's identical to just using those mice. Mm-hmm. Like, 
the regular way, except you just never have to. Yeah, with you, my, it never goes with, low. With my 900, every couple days, three days. days, four days, maybe, yeah. I, you know, it starts to blink red at me and I have to find the USB cable up on by my monitor and plug it in. And I use it as a wired mouse for a couple of hours and or until I forget that why is the why does it feel like there's why is it there something why is there a cable attached oh, okay. to my house? Oh, and then yeah. I disconnect it, reattach the dongle, and move on. Yeah, um, you know they plan to expand the mouse. Uh, in I, I would think that they, the, the just, number of mice that can use it, well, and they're probably going to like phase out the 900 or something. Probably because it, it's identical is, otherwise. Yeah, it's basically the same mouse except actually it's a little bit more functionality because the 900. There are no weights. Correct. It did not have a weight option. So at least now there's a weight option. I don't option. know if the battery was bigger in the G900 than the 903 because of spacing concerns. I don't know. That, that's just a, that's one thing I might be thinking about. Not yeah. taking a lot of room in there. Um, you know, Jim mentioned that he really likes the Logitech MX Master series of mice. And it's oh, yeah. much more of a creativity, productivity mouse type. You know, and if they implemented this technology in that, then he would, he would buy into it instantly. Same. I think yeah. I, I think it's really cool. I use a G900. Uh, so this is an easy kind of conversion over for me. Um, some other ones we might see when it's from other versions is, um, you know, have it integrated into a larger surface, even if they can't make the charging surface larger, because that was like, to be, sh- to be sure, or to be fair, like it's a pretty big technological advancement to have one surface that size that can charge anywhere, anywhere on the surface, surface. Yeah. Um, reliably during motion and all that type of stuff. Uh, and they basically said like to go beyond that, you start to run into you know, FCC type regulations of yeah. what the EMF can yeah, actually you're, you're emitting compete. too much. Yeah. Yeah. So interestingly enough, that's kind of the method that Corsair was showing at Computex is they have a normal mouse mat with a Qi charger, the wireless charging standard that most phones that do wireless charging use integrated, but it's only in a specific portion of the yeah, mouse mat. It has a circle on the So pad, you have right? to remember to put right. your mouse over there when you go to bed or leave for the night or whatever you're whenever right. you get up from your desk yeah which i think is a decent trade-off because i mean these mice have battery lives of like 20 hours so you don't always need to be charging it so yeah. if, you, if you forget one night it's not gonna be the end of, end of the world be. i mean if you if you really want and the chi compatibility with things like phones is very nice you already have a wireless charger on your desk yeah that's true i mean if you really wanted a mat that like went further you i mean as long as you got the thickness right to match the thickness of them. Yeah. Pad, yeah, but you like have, a three, you have, you have a seam. You have a seam. I know. Somebody, a seam or a bump. Somebody in the in the comments said that they were going to, they thought they might route out a, a divot in, in, their, their, desk, in their, their desk, desk have to have the, the surface I mean, rest perfectly in there, which you could do that. That would work. That's pretty interesting. Uh, maybe a little bit extreme, I think, implementation Once the method. next model that comes out, you're kind of screwed. Somebody in the comments asked for never um, a pad that's yeah. bigger so it could charge a keyboard as well or keep a keyboard maintained power consumption-wise. I don't yeah. know if that's a significant higher amount of power, especially when you get into RGB keyboards. Yeah. In, in my mind, are you really that worried about the keyboard being wireless, though? It's like it's on your desk. Only, right? like, yeah, it's and just you, wires and you, going across your desk in an area that could be usable for other things. You still have, to have one cable, though. You still have the yeah, cable true. for the mouse, though. Like so, you know, yeah, so, yeah. I don't. But know. I, get, I agree. Like you're basically, you could take the keyboard from, you could go from two wires to one wire if you could do that, yeah. right? And I think you know, uh, if if we advance the technology and you have a keyboard and your mouse, and maybe there's just kind of like your phone has support for this universal field as well. You can put it down, and that'd be know, a nice future that right? will never no. exist. But if you're doing RGB keyboard, like today's RGB keyboards, yeah. would draw way more power than that mouse. Do that, yeah, because you're trying to think of how much lighting you're doing, like per yeah. key, per key LED lighting, right? Yeah. It's you know, take yeah. the take the light in that mouse, which they actually 
uh, in their interface, they in the Logitech interface, they tell you how much power draw for each feature of the mouse. You, oh, really? If you're worried, okay. Okay. And yeah. it's not meant for this one because obviously it's on the mat and it should keep it charged. You know, even at the most power draw right. possible, right? Yep. But but it was meant for the 900 when it first came out. You could kind of tweak like oh okay i don't want let me turn the light off and it would tell you like you know 10 milliamps or something or even like adjusting right. the sensor tracking to be less power consumptive but not as yeah. responsive mm-hmm. yeah. not, not as much of a refresh and i mean the, the 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 sensor on this is the mouse is is pretty intelligent in that when you stop moving it it goes into a lower power state yeah. therefore your net charging is higher no matter yeah. what position you're in right you know net net is is, is better um i think they said from a technical standpoint like if Going from zero to one hundred percent. If you had the mouse sitting on the pad, it's like a fourteen-hour charge time, right? From yeah. zero to one hundred percent plugged in, it was like two hours. Mm-hmm. So, gives you an idea of of kind of what the rates are and what the differences are. It, but it doesn't matter how long it charges if it never drops. Yeah, right. That's kind of that's kind of the interesting part. So, uh, I do want to before we move on to our uh, news of the week. Which there is plenty of. We do have we have lots of Patreon stuff to go through here. Tyler Smith edited his pledge from five dollars to ten dollars. Tyler Smith, that's awesome. We received a new ten dollar pledge from MB sixty seven. MB sixty seven, that's awesome. We've got uh, just four hundred. That's right. That's right. Thank you. MB sixty seven. The chat <laughs> earlier wanted to know who was going to be number four hundred four. Justin Gallucci is $401, $3. Thank you, Justin, for that Uh pledge. Funny joke there, Ken. Uh, Glob Bluth went from $420. Job. G-L-O-B. Job. Job. Really? Yes. It's a Arrested Development reference. Okay. We've been Uh, through this before. $420 to $699. Yeah, because he has pledged again. He (laughs) upped it from $420 to $699. Uh, thank you very much. Dimitri, uh, <laughs> where are the Josh Tech t-shirts? Edited their pledge from $12.99 to $13.99. Someone has to design them first. Uh, I did say I would read these names out, didn't I? Uh, a new pledge. What is this, 402? I wasn't keeping track. I think as a $5 pledge. You're going to read the name? I got to read it. It's from Fondle My Fart Box. <laughs> Uh, and uh james pore is a new pledge that makes 403 for three dollars thank you james so there you go nice yeah indeed all right and now we've hit 404 and we'll never see another update (laughs) uh okay let's get into the news of the week so uh i was in los angeles unfortunately over the weekend for siggraph but also uh, to attend some AMD events, they had a they had a tech day covering their RX Vega and their Threadripper parts. Honestly, a lot of the Threadripper stuff we already knew the technical stuff, but we really didn't actually have clarification on any of the specs and stuff surrounding RX Vega. So now we know we have the Radeon RX Vega sixty four and the Radeon RX Vega fifty six, which are two distinct parts. Um, the Vega 56, I'm sorry, the Vega 64 will be available in air-cooled and a liquid-cooled format. And you can see the specs here. And I actually want to, um, these aren't highlighting for some reason. Uh, I want to, I want to look at these and I want to make a comment about these boost clocks here. So in the, in previous iterations, the AMD boost clock has always been essentially the maximum clock rate of the GPU, the peak clock state. In NVIDIA GPUs, the boost clock is the typical clock rate in a gaming scenario Mm -hmm. 
like typical base, average it would typical average clock rate you might have some games that run higher you might have some games that run lower yep. but in general they expect you to meet that and it, and in my experience amd or nvidia has always underestimated that number so that yeah, we're generally almost always over that clock speed yep. and so everything above that feels like free performance right because you were quoted you know as a 1080ti is rated at 1582 megahertz boost <laughs> those go way higher than 1500 yeah. Now, with the, the Vega time. Frontier Edition, it was listed at 1600 megahertz, but we never hit 1600 megahertz on that card. Yep. On the air-cooled card, we never hit it. It was always under. Always under. It was like 1440. Yep. It was kind of our average-ish clock. Mm-hmm. Um, with the RX Vegas, AMD has finally, finally, finally Come gone around. the same route and gone with an average clock, okay. like a, a typical gaming clock. And that is the boost clock. That is the boost clock. So you notice how it goes down to 1471. On the RX Vega 56, 1546 on the Vega uh, 64. Seems more realistic. More realistic. Yeah. And, you know, this may be a little bit, it's a little aggressive. Now, we still have to verify that they're going to meet these claims. Yeah. But that's the intent. Um, And then that also puts in in perspective, like the RX Vega 64 liquid has a boost clock listed of 1677, which actually puts it near, if that's accurate, near the performance of our highest overclocked settings on our water-cooled card Vega Frontier Edition. Yep. You know, and that would be stock for the Vega 64 liquid. So mm-hmm. that, would be, that would be impressive, right? Um, all the other specs are the same, uh, except we're going... These cards have 8 gigs, not 16 gigs of memory. Um, same TDP ranges, so they're really high. 345 watts for the Vega 64 water, 200, 295 watts for the Vega 64 air, and 210 watts for the Vega 56, which is actually significantly better. So that liquid that a lot of people were... So the pricing, a lot of people were just kind of guessing that like it was going to be $400, $500, and $600 for the 56, 64, and then Yeah, the 56 liquid. didn't really show up on the rumor mill until very recently, but, but yeah. Yeah, but then so but the liquid is actually this, $200 more. Yeah, so the pricing is super weird. The four, let's start with the Vega 64 Air, $499. That's exactly where I thought it should be. Yeah. After... Doing all the testing um, and seeing where it met, and kind of hearing a little bit about where the clock speeds would be higher uh, uh, versus the Frontier Edition. Four ninety nine is the supposed MSRP of the GTX ten eighty. We are kind of coming down off the high of our uh, mining operations, so we're starting to see prices. I think we saw what we see today for Ken like five oh nine or something like that. Five nineteen. Uh, yeah, I think so. Pretty close. We're getting down there. Um, so that's that's the right point. The Vega fifty six at three ninety nine puts it direct competition with the GTX ten seventy. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see that what I've listed there is six ninety nine for the air cooled, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's odd. So those are the three cards. There's going to be the kind of plain black shroud, or as Vega sixty four standard. You got the Vega sixty four limited edition, which is still air cooled, um, but has the like basically the di- design of the Frontier edition, but silver with red pixel yep. on it, which I think looks awesome. Yeah. They told, yeah. Me, they told me they're not sampling these to media, though, which what? is very disappointing. They're going to send us the regular standard one, uh. which is very disappointing for me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and then the Rega 60, the Vega, the Rega 64 Rega. liquid cooled. The looks Rega. like the Vega, you know, Frontier edition water cooled, silver, a little bit lighter color silver, it looks like, and then the same red pixel. So... That's what you get for styling. That one in um, addition should just be like, like the, the card. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's significantly more expensive to build uh, that, know, right? I and know. they're already kind of cost constrained with HBM memory and all yeah, that. So but it just th- looks so freaking sweet. I'm totally with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, here's where things get confusing. So they, they, they didn't really show much in gaming performance. Our reviews come out on the 14th of August, so we'll stay tuned for that. They, they announced these Radeon packs, which um, a little inside baseball. Like when they were talking to us about it the first time, everybody was confused. Like every media person I talked to after the fact had a different opinion about what they actually were trying to do and what the results were going to be. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the next day when we finally got clarification on some things. So uh, this one might be a better slide to look at. So at the bottom, the base graphics cards, the Vega 64 air-cooled and the standard design, 499 Vega 60, Vega 56, the standard design, 399 Boom. It, end that. Okay. okay. Now, look at the middle one at the top section, 599 The Radeon Black Pack is the Vega 64 air-cooled card, and it's listed at 599 Uh-huh. And it will be available in either limited edition or the standard edition. So until the limited edition runs out. Limited edition will run out, and then they'll replace it with the standard edition. The only way to get the limited edition is through, is this, through this Radeon pack. Well, it looks like. And, and the it's pack, $100 more. And the pack is $100 more. You pay 100 So here's what it is. You're paying $100 more for the graphics card. Yep. And in return, you will receive two games. Okay. In the U.S., it's going to vary by region. In the U.S., it's Wolfenstein 2 and Prey. Okay. All right. Take that for what you will. And then you get the option to buy a Ryzen 7 motherboard and processor with a $100 discount Mm -hmm. and a Samsung FreeSync 3440x1440 ultra-wide monitor for $200 off. Together? You can do either or or, or both. Or both. So it's potentially $300 off. It's potentially $300 discount and the two games, whatever you happen to value those at. Is it just like a code or something they give you? or just So some... when you go to Newegg, it will be a bundle page. Oh, okay. But it's an optional bundle, basically meaning you can just buy the card for $5.99. Right, right, right. But right. it has to be like through Newegg specifically? or like, um, is it... I don't think Amazon does bundles, so I yeah, think it's just Newegg. Yeah, yeah. Only, only people that are doing these The concern is things. like, you know, oh, the display is sold out. You know what I mean? My, like... my, my understanding is that these packs will change over time. They plan to offer these packs oh. at least through the end of the year. And there may be other monitors that come in to the, okay. to the option. They're just basically starting with this. So I noticed the liquid cooled is on that list, and it's at the normal price? So when I did the spec table above, the only way you can get a Vega 64 liquid oh. is in this pack. Oh. Right? Okay. For now. For the foreseeable future. Right, right, right. And I don't think they'll ever sell it at just five ninety nine. would be my guess. Huh. Right, so it's a two hundred dollar premium to go from the Vega sixty four air cooled if you want just a card, yeah, to the liquid cooled. That's a significant price increase. Um, obviously, the performance delta is not going to be worth two hundred dollars. It really comes down to: Do you like the styling? Do you like the design? Do you want the best thing that AMD has? Right, regardless of whether or not you want anything to do with the pack or bundles. Sure. Uh, and then the same thing is offered for the Vega fifty six. A hundred dollars more gets you the option to buy this other hardware. Now. There's a, there's a cynical way and a um, non-cynical way to look at these packs. The cynical way is that AMD knows they're going to be maybe quantity constrained to some degree. And for the limited edition, they can get $100 more mm-hmm. um, even though there's no performance difference right. to the standard. It just looks different. It just looks better. Mm-hmm. And um, – you know, say, well, you know, you paid $100 more, but you had the option to get all this hardware discounted. Sure. And you got these two games. Okay. Um, the, the cynical way is like, well, they're really just charging you $100 more just because they can. I mean, and yeah. you don't know, right? So Since it's the only way to get that limited edition. The only way edition. to get that limited edition card. Yeah. Um, they, all, they kind of explained it for two different reasons. Like they thought uh, AMD's 
the reasons for building these packs were twofold. One, they wanted to get people into the FreeSync ecosystem. They wanted to get monitors at a discount to them. They wanted to get Ryzen hardware to a discount to them, getting people in the AMD ecosystem so they will continue to buy AMD Radeon cards the next generation. Sure. Right? Sure. They also kind of were, were trying to figure out a way to um, de-incentivize miners from buying the cards. Right? And so the idea of this bundle came up. Now, in my opinion... How does that, how does that de-incentivize them when you can still buy just the card? Correct. My, when they originally told us this plan, yeah. my thought was that you had to buy the whole bundle in order to get these cards that at the higher like the price. That was the only way to get them. Right. Hmm. And I thought, okay, well, that will definitely de-incentivize miners, but it will also de-incentivize anybody who has a monitor they already like and or a processor and motherboard they already have, they already like. So if these but things... it would mean more cards were available for gamers. But here's the thing. What if, they list, what if these end up being listed, say, on Newegg as two separate sets of SKUs? They will. Okay, so the potential you would have... The Vega 64 air cooled just gets sold out. Yep, and then the only one available is the 599 bundle. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be weird? Well, <laughs> wouldn't that be weird if maybe only ten of the base ones showed up, but a hundred and ten showed up of, of the? Of that, the I mean, that's ones? that's where the cynical thing comes in again. I guess I yeah. get it. Yeah, and and to be fair, like the two games are in there, so it's not like. Like maybe those are. It depends on if you play those, those games. games are not worth a hundred dollars. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're maybe worth fifty total. Um, eh, I mean, Wolfenstein's worth. No, I'm just 60 about bucks, like because it isn't out yet. But Prey has been out for months now at this yeah. point. Yeah. So there, that's the cynical way to look at it. If if there is a time where there are no 499 models, but there are plenty of four, 599 models, yeah, then you start to go with, eh, okay, that's kind of crappy. But here's what I think is actually smart on AMD's part is. They are, they can hedge their bets both ways because they think about having to go through this launch process and building out this product portfolio Mm -hmm. with all the mining stuff going on. Yeah. You literally have no idea what you should charge for this card. Right. Because if we were in a situation of just three, what, two or three weeks ago where everything was double the price it should be in terms of video cards, they would be stupid to have a card for $4.99 when they could charge five or $6.99. Yep. But they want to, they want to make it so that. So now, if one they sells can out fall right away, back to four ninety nine. Yeah, right. So now the market's kind of settling back down. It seems more likely that if AMD were smart enough and they're paying attention, that they go, okay, you know, they can and they can do this dynamically, probably with Newegg. Hey, yeah. you know, let's take fifty percent of that pack bundle skew and move it down to the four ninety nine skew and sell it that way. Yeah, and they can adjust how much how they want to. They can adjust how much they want that extra hundred dollars based on market demand at any given time. So it's actually a pretty interesting way to do it. It's also maybe helpful for somebody like Newegg if you can convince them to hold more cards back to sell to gamers in some way because you might be able to get them to also buy other hardware, which raises your total selling price, which is better for them, for their profit margins, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So it's, it's confusing, but I think it will end up being okay. Yeah. Once we get past the limited edition thing, because I think people are going to want to have that one. It's only supposed to last like through September. Um, I'm really sad I'm not getting one. I'll probably have to send out I, some emails this I week to I make sure I get one. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up like coming back later or something. Like just, it's like they, the McRib. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I, I, Illuminate the, 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 the one comes back. The reason limited edition exists, I think, is it wants, they want to have like a premium version around until their partner boards are ready. So yeah. like Asus announced you know, their... There are Strix, ROG Strix version of it, and it's going to be 50 bucks more and have the same clocks as close to the same clocks as the air, liquid cooled car. I would be surprised if there stuff. was a partner version of the board, but it was, but it was just that. It was just the limited edition. I don't it's know. Like, I don't think they'd be able to do that. Now, um, 
I know we talked about this for a while. Real quick on the performance stuff, they didn't show any performance data. They showed stuff like this. Right. This this pisses me off. It it's um expected. I, I know. Right. So I should be used to it by now. It still pisses me off. Why? It's just they didn't show average frame rates. They didn't show. Give me the dang average frame rate. Like, is it but they want to sell cards at a higher margin. Hey, guess what? The average frame rate is lower than the well, other guys. So they're going to figure out a metric in which they win. I mean, and that's clearly the only reason you do this, right? Yeah. Um, they didn't say that. But so the, the argument is this, is that, hey, you should be buying one of these nice free sync monitors. And as long as you're within this range of 48 to 100, you're fine. Every time your minimums. Your 99th percentile minimum frame rate goes below 48. You have a bad experience because you start to tear yeah. or judder or whatever. I mean, at least they're doing a 99th percentile minimum as yeah. opposed to... Scott Watson would have nothing else, I'm sure. <laughs> well, as opposed to just saying the minimum. Oh, yeah, no, like, no. That <laughs> the, would be The minimum horrible. frame rate is dumb. Yeah. Every, uh, yeah, I think we all understand that. Although, although it's supposed to be the 1%, not the 99%, but still... It's the 99th percentile minimum yeah so it's it's the bottom one percent the bottom average or more or less yeah right um and so basically as you would expect for the amd provided data the rx vega 64 beats the gtx 1080 right um in these games meaning that more games run inside that range than in the gtx 1080 they don't talk about how high they go uh, or anything like that um i've heard some discussions with some people that you know, they picked a monitor. First of all, there's there's a couple I mean, reasons this is I stupid. Mean, if you, so if you look at that graphic, they have like that's actually a meant this to graphic. be meant to look like a FreeSync monitor, kind of. But mm-hmm. it's the band, it's the range of the Correct. FreeSync monitor. And they're just going, oh look, Vega sixty four sits within that band. Its minimums are within like, that band. But yeah, G Sync monitors don't have a bottom end on that band. That's correct. It's all based on the idea that. And it's not. It's not also a coincidence that they picked monitors that don't have low frame rate compensation because even their own LFC tech. Would negate, doesn't have a bottom end of the would band. Would negate the bottom end of the thing. Right. Yes, so I agree with you. Because then on the 4K monitor, they chose a 40 to 60, um, which NVIDIA G-Sync monitors that are 4K don't have a bottom end. Yep. I don't know if there are any 4Ks, the FreeSync, that have LFC, because I don't think you can have that big of a range. You have to have at least 2X range. Yep. But So I, I agree. It's, it's kind of an oddly staged performance metric. I, I don't even want to know how long they sat in rooms trying to decide how to do this and how to present it. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. We're going to do our own testing soon enough. We won't have to worry about it. Um, so that's it. That's all we know. That's all we're going to know until August 14th. There were some rumors or some leaked, potentially leaked GTX 1070. I'm sorry. Yeah. GTX 1070 versus Vega 56 benchmarks today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talked to somebody else who I trust a whole lot who said that that wasn't likely to be the case. Everything. All right. Over there. Uh, and so I don't really want to dive too much into those leaf things because they had the RX 56 being significantly faster than the 1070, which is what AMD told me it would be. I just don't know if I am ready to, to really believe in that yet. I want okay. to. I want to. Um, and it's apparently the RX 56 supposed to have a lot of overclocking headroom too. So you know, you know what's absolutely amazing about this? No. The 1070 and 1080 have been around for one year and three months. Yeah. Yeah. They're all, the other thing. I mean. Look, if if you look at it from an architectural observational point, observation point, right? It's not great, right? It's 18 months after Nvidia released 1080. Yeah. I mean, at least, they, at least they caught up. It loses significantly more power. That's another problem. Yeah. It is not uh, drastically cheaper. It's not going to be less expensive, yeah. right? 
Um, now, to be fair, the 1080 it's did just launch new. at $100 more, right? It sure, came down sure, to 499 sure. So, I mean, think of this on the flip side. As long as the 1080's been out, like, couldn't NVIDIA stand to do, like, another price cut if they wanted to on that thing? By they now. felt the deed. I mean, could, it's all, I mean, could saying, they versus like, would they is very different, right? Yeah, so, sure, sure. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, though, like, they in, probably have enough margin NVIDIA at this point. NVIDIA has more margins than AMD. Correct. It, it, so if they yeah. wanted to do that. But I, I honestly don't think NVIDIA has any desire to do that. Sure. They're probably um, just leave it where it's at. I'm just, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think they're super worried about it, you know. And, it may, if, and if something changes and it does, then yes, they do have they do have the ability to move. Uh, and we just don't know how close Volta is, right? Yeah, I, we just don't know. January. Well, is that, is that what you're hearing? January. We'll see. And in this, and in which case, I don't. I like. I don't know what to tell AMD if, if they got five months. Wait for to Navi. Make a. Yeah, wait, wait for Navi. It, I will say coming out of this, I, I have a better feeling about Vega than I did, right? Because they priced it correctly. Power consumption is bad, but whatever. If the performance per dollar matches, you'll find plenty of people that will want to buy something like this. Sure. Right? FreeSync monitors are cheaper than G-Sync monitors. I get it. So, like, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, there's, when there, you think there of the whole other ecosystem, answers. there's, you there, know. Are other, there are other reasons. I just, you know, I don't Not like, that, I don't like I it mean, when vendors take away, like, the primary comparison points and try to... I mean, as long as you're okay with that stuff. one monitor, the, that Samsung panel, then like it's a net yeah, hundred dollars you know, off. Something else I do. would really warn people. I hate saying this because I don't. It's not actually for sale yet. That monitor looks like it might be two hundred dollars discounted already on Amazon compared to the new egg price. Yeah. So keep just when you're buying these things, keep an eye out for that, right? So don't just trust that you're getting some kind of two hundred dollar discount because. AMD says you are. Go see if you could buy that that monitor on yeah. Amazon see for that, a buck cheaper, and then buy the hundred dollar cheaper version of the video card. Right? Yeah, like just yeah. And, and something else to consider is yep. that uh, like a couple of weeks ago, I, I linked that uh, twenty nine inch ultra wide, and that's a FreeSync capable, and I believe it goes from like forty two to seventy five, and that would be a great combination with like the the Vega fifty six. Yeah, to push the pixels. And, you know, for only 229 bucks, and, and I think, you know, after mail-in rebates, it's like 199 And for an IPS panel, it has that kind of range. It's not fantastic, but, boy, it's a big upgrade from anybody's 60 hertz panel that yeah. is not free sync. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, August 14th is coming up. Um, you know what's coming up before August 14th? August thirteenth. August thirteenth. August tenth. Oh, tenth. If, uh, if I let you guys keep going, we would have hit it eventually. Okay. Um, so the other thing they talked about was Threadripper. We know almost all the details about Threadripper, except they actually showed off and announced a new one. So we knew about the sixteen core. We knew about the twelve core. They also announced a Threadripper nineteen hundred X, which is an eight core sixteen thread part. Now you might be thinking, well, Ryan, the Ryzen seven eighteen hundred X and all the Ryzen seven parts are eight core sixteen threads, and I'd be like, uh huh. You're correct. Right. Um, however, uh, so this is two die, so it's going to be four cores on each die. Right? One full CCX each die will be enabled. Okay. Um, it's not like one die totally disabled or whatever. Because you still have access to quad-channel memory. You still have 64 lanes of PCIe. And if you look at this, the um, base clock is actually 3.8 gigahertz with a boost clock of two or four, not two gigahertz. So, even at fully loaded eight cores, if you look at actually we go down here, the eighteen hundred X was three point six 
base clock, and the new 1900X is 200 megahertz higher than that. So it's mm-hmm. going to be faster than the 1800X. Pretty much across the board, you got four-channel memory, um, and it's $50 more than the MSRP, maybe $100 more if you consider like the street price of the 1800X. This is basically um, AMD's answer with to the 8-core, what's that Intel part, the 7820, 7820X, I think, that came out. I think that's $599 or something like that as well, which we did just get in too so uh it'll be interesting to compare these the 1900x is going to be for sale on august 31st not august 10th so the the other parts that they kind of came up with late in the in the in the cycle will be available after the fact um otherwise you know they they basically went through and kind of did some other comparisons in terms of core counts, caches, DDR memory channels. Like if you compare the uh, Threadripper 1900X to the core i7-7820X, which is the 8-core uh, Cabby-like, no, Skylake X core. Equivalent core count. Equivalent right. core count, um, four DDR memory channels. But that one, the 114% more PCIe lanes is one that stands out, right? Um, yeah. And it's 8% cheaper to boot. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the core i7-7820X has 28 lanes of PCIe. And the Threadripper 1900X will have 64. Now, whether or not you need all of those lanes for any other purpose... That's true. Is, ...is up to you individually. But it does give you a whole lot more flexibility, and it means that some of the... Like, the X299 boards have this complication of, depending what processor you have, determines what PCIe slots are enabled. And it goes down even further with Cabby Lake X kind of coming in and only offering 16 lanes. Yeah. But with Threadripper, none of that exists. Right. Yes, you have eight cores instead of sixteen with the nineteen hundred X, but you get all all the PCI slots, all of the M.2 slots, anything that would exist for their thousand dollar processor is turned on for their five hundred and forty nine dollar processor, which I think is actually super nice. Like it's just yeah. a a very consumer friendly way to do things. Um, they talked about performance per watt a little bit, and like I said, on the availability. If you uh, these are available for pre order, the nineteen fifty and nineteen twenty. If you do want to pre-order them, I highly encourage you to go to PCPro.com and click through on these links um, so that you can pre-order them. They are nineteen or nine ninety nine for the nineteen fifty X and seven ninety nine for the nineteen twenty X. And I think what did it say? You can get professional installation for seventy nine dollars and nine cents. So obviously keep that in mind. What you might want for this. Process. Does somebody yeah, come out to yeah, your house the, uh, and install this? The insertion is a little bit different than we're used to. <laughs> it yeah. is very. I'll have a video on that for you tomorrow, but not before. Yes, tomorrow. Um, so X99, X399 motherboards are also up there for pre-order. They, we talk about the the cooling design. Also, one other interesting fact. This is a screenshot from, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. What's the overclocker's name? Bauer. DeBauer. Uh, there's an 8 in there, so I didn't know if that was supposed to be a B or not. He uh, actually deleted a Threadripper processor, and then he had to take the video down, blah, blah, blah. It's soldered on, so overclockers will like that. Enthusiasts will be a fan of that for whatever it's worth. Notice that there's four dies. Mm-hmm. Two of those dies are empty silicon. Yep. There are no transistors on them. Uh, and the two that are active die are diagonal from each other. I don't know which two are which, but they said they assured me that every Threadripper... L- look at where the uh, the blank... Capacitors are like capacitors. Yeah. Oh. So look where there are blank capacitors, yeah, are and you know. Oh, I see. Yep. You know which ones are active yep. and which so ones are not. So this one is a dead one, and yep. this one is a dead one. Yep. Okay. Hey, yeah, good, you don't need you good, don't need good, good eyes. Yeah. Good eyes. Um. 
So the reason they did this, oops, uh, was because saves a little bit of, uh, of like socket design and layout design, but also apparently they were the the issue was the heat spreader would collapse around the edges. Yeah, there'd be nothing to hold it. There's up nothing to hold the, the rest corner. of the heat spreader up. Uh, they didn't want to do like a taco. They didn't want to do two parallel or yeah. two uh, in line. Uh, you know, so there you go. Interesting, interesting things you learn. Well, if they were missing, there'd there. be double the force on the other two dies. On the other two, correct. Yeah, so you'd, you know. Maybe we'd have that whole Thunderbird cracking die thing. Yeah, back. right. I so, don't think you, don't think you I'm really that. curious. Um, you know, obviously, we're in the middle of our Threadripper testing. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm really curious what the success of this platform is going to be. Like, I, I kind of think it's going to be really popular, but I'm just not sure because 79 and 99 are pretty high prices. Yeah. When you get down to 549 for that other Threadripper, it's much more amicable, but then you're into the whole debate of like, you know, how much differences are there in these 1800X and, you know, what are the motherboard price differences and all that type of stuff. So it'll be interesting. Uh, the other thing that came out that Josh wrote this story up um, right as the uh, capsaicin event was about to begin, this is the smiling face of one Christopher Hook uh, holding up. What is what is that? That's uh looks like a business card maybe. Vega Nano. Oh. Postcard. Vega Nano. So I mean this was this shouldn't shock anybody. Um This that, was two hours before the actual unveiling. Yeah. So you, And the, he was smiling I mean, the, and so the guy, excited to funny, show. Here's a funny story. I and I apologize. Oh Drew, his name's on the tweet. Um I saw it. You and I we were talking about it in our Slack channel, and I Nate from legit reviews and Marco from Hot Hardware were sitting next to me. We were kind of talking about it, and I was like, "Well, there goes that, right?" Because we honestly didn't know that that existed yet. Yeah. Um, and what happened was Drew, this guy from SmallFormFactor.net, was behind Chris in the security line, and you had to go through a metal detector. So Chris had to take the card out of his pocket <laughs> to give to the security guy, so he could walk through the metal detector. Did he catch and then, him? Just and to- then the guy behind him said, "Hey, what's that?" And he like it's easy to tell what it is, right? Mm. And so Chris finally said, uh, you know, just being who he is, it's like whatever Look at held, that held up shit eating grin. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That oh, yeah. is severe, right? <laughs> uh, so he held it up and was able to get that. He just so had that it was in his, like in his jacket? Yeah, he was just he he I think they so had to go back to and see get me it. or is that a Vega Nano in your pocket? Yeah. yeah. So that would that's that's kind of a funny story. Um they didn't really say anything about specs on it. There, I mean there's so much blank PCB space on the Air well, remember, Vega. I mean, that's exactly what happened with Fiji, right? right. Like, yeah, that um, feat. Like, it's Fiji? not hard. It's not a. It's yeah. not a. You yeah. know, yeah. it's not a magical feat to just make that a smaller no. form factor card. No, no, no. But that's like that's the benefit of of an HBM two memory implementation, sure. right? Is you you can make a smaller card. No idea what its power consumption is, what its performance is relative to the other products. Is it going to be a sixty four CU card? Is it going to be a fifty six CU card? I never even mentioned that, by the way. The <laughs> Vegas sixty four. Stands for 64 compute units are yeah. enabled, giving you 4096 stream processors. And guess what the Vega 56 is? <laughs> 56, 56 compute so. units for 3584 stream processors. Did they, my was my there, guess is that's going to be a 150-watt part, all mm-hmm. 64. So the original Nano had problems. Mm-hmm. And then it had variable, extremely variable clock speeds. Yeah, it throttled a lot. It, yeah. But it didn't it was temperature. necessarily resulted in bad performance. It resulted in variable performance. Yes. Yeah. 
it, it because its clock speeds went in and out of different states so quickly in order to try to keep it actually affected it was noticeable like if you looked at frame a frame rate plot yeah 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 you could tell like it affected it significantly you could tell. yeah um you know jump up the fan speed and keep the thermals where they need to be and you know you can yeah, fix all out. that but yeah. but out of the box it, it wasn't it wasn't perfect so hopefully they learned they're learning from that 150 watts would be really low for this considering the Vega 56 is 210 yeah it could just be Still running in a much lower cost. Sure. Why not? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'll throw it all out. I will say um, AMD has been talking about things called TGP, which is total graphics power. What? Which is the power draw of the GPU and memory. Like that, only that module. Um, okay. Which I don't like. There was a video of there? total board power. Which is just the efficiency of the VRMs. Correct. Like, that's all that's left. And there are display controllers and stuff you have I mean, and all that okay. stuff, too. But, I mean, it's enough that I think the TGP of the Vega air-cooled is 250, while the total board power is, like, 300. Oh. Right? Like, it's 50 watts. Like, there's there's a significant delta there. That's why they're talking about TGP as opposed to... TDP because it just makes them look a little bit better. TDP would be or, the uh, entire board. total scenario board power, power either. Yeah, yeah. SDP. Intel's. Yeah, that was. No. Yeah, they, luckily they kind of they kind of backed away from some of that. So, but hey, uh, I don't no idea when it's coming out. They didn't say anything. The only time they even brought it out on stage was to give one to Tim Sweeney, um, which was awkward. Um, really? Yeah, I know. Shocking. Uh, so there you go. Mega Nano coming. What are the bets? Was, was it was it less awkward when the guy gave that other dude the what fifty thousand dollar camera? That wasn't awkward. That was awesome. Um, except <laughs> except that the 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 president of Red Camera was on stage and he uh, said during the show uh, it was actually a really good story. He's he. AMD came to him and said, we can make it so that you can do 8K video, like scrub and, and manipulate 8K video in real time without frame dropping. Yeah, okay. And they, sh- they brought him the Radeon uh, Pro SSG. SSG. The card uh-huh. has the two terabyte NVMe SSDs on them. Yep. And so they brought it to him and they basically proved that they could do it. Okay. And he was wowed, right? And he said that's the only reason he showed up is because he said, if you can come here and do that, I'll come to your event. And this was like three <laughs> days before the event. Um, and they showed it. And he said, so now I'm here. Uh, and, and he said, and he gave them a camera. He gave, he gave the camera to Raja first. He said, this is for actually giving an, giving an F about the community that you work with. Yeah. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. He didn't say F. Well, that's a nice gesture then. Yeah. yeah, it was. And then Raja gave the SSG and the red camera to, uh, the direct, um, the Tim Sweeney. No. Weird, huh? The no, dir- the Baha Bully. Yes. Uh, director. The director of that movie, which is now the largest the highest grossing film in India. And I believe it's Raja's He was like an cousin. EP. He was like an executive yeah. producer or something on that. Raja was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think it's his family. It's his cousin. I don't know. Or something. I hope I'm not getting that so, so super far off. But There's a racist joke in here that we need to avoid. Yeah, I, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm not trying to say, oh, look, they're both Indian, so they're probably related. Like, I believe. <laughs> Why you just say those words? I'm just saying. I'm saying <laughs> I didn't think that. But uh, uh, I think it's his cousin. I was going to say brother, but I think it's his cousin. Okay. Um, his cousin. Yeah, it's... I think that's right. Because they, you know, Radeon, uh, AMD Radeon Pro was like part of the, like in the credits and all that kind I of stuff too. I sat through a 
seemingly very long presentation at GDC during their capsaicin about the VR experience tied to that movie, yep. and yeah. I did not know what was going yep. on. Yep. Agreed. All right. All right. Let's run through the rest of this news, guys, pretty quick. HT, HTC announced a standalone VR headset. Wow, that's awesome. Why haven't I heard of this? A standalone VR headset is one that is not connected to a PC, but also does not need a phone. It, okay. is, it's, it has all of its own hardware. So a built-in phone. It is a built-in phone, <laughs> right? Uh, I'll just take the phone permanently H- so install H- it. This one, the one they announced, which I believe is accurately called the HTC Vive Standalone VR Headset. I that's, believe that is the name. Yeah, better name. It's only that. going to the China market. Okay. But they did announce the same, essentially the same thing at Google I.O. Um, where they announced this with the Daydream technology kind of integration, right? Now, what's cool about this, there's two things that interest me about this. One is, so it is like a built-in smartphone, except you get rid of some of the smartphone um, limitations. Yeah. You can have a bigger battery. Yeah. You can have a, a, higher, higher you can have a fan. Right? Oh, that's true, too. To cool yeah. it down so your face doesn't get as sweaty. You can have... You can run the GPU and you can run the clocks higher yep. because you're not as concerned about thermals and heat and battery life. Mm-hmm. Um, you can adjust you can adjust the OS so you don't have to worry about background processes mm-hmm. as much. Uh, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot that you can do in this. You can add better sensors. You can add better cameras. You're not limited on where the camera placement can be because yeah. it's attached to the phone. You can get 90 FPS out of the display. Yeah, which many yeah, phones you can use different do. displays. Now, to yeah. be fair, these are going to be slightly lower cost when they start out. So I expect more in terms of battery life and thermals, but maybe not as much on added performance sure. necessarily. Um, but all the rumors are that that Oculus they're going to announce a standalone headset very soon. HTC has now announced the standalone headset. Um, who else did? A Lenovo, I think, announced a standalone headset. But the other thing I find interesting about this is that HTC and Oculus, if they actually do it, were the big names in the PC world mm-hmm. for VR gaming. So what does, does it mean anything that rather than announce a new attached PC-driven VR headset, that they're much more interested in these now? Does it, does it tell us about the... I mean, I think the state of the VR industry on the PC. I think they at least need to test the waters on that, right? Even if the product, yeah. even but, if it doesn't yeah, do the, fantastic, like the barrier to entry is lower to make essentially an Android phone integrate into a headset. Oh, sure. Than yeah, a complete ecosystem. Yeah, you don't need a PC that's strong enough to drive, and like you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You don't yeah. need all that other stuff. The I think the important part for this to work also is with the six DOF technology, which is six degrees of freedom. Yeah, meaning that it has inside out tracking, mm-hmm. right? So you've got it tracks based on what's around it. Correct. It's using cameras and sensors to track what's around it, so you don't have to have lighthouses or cameras in place externally to you to keep track of you. Yep. Right. So it's it's much more compute intensive to do that, but it gives you way more freedom in terms mm-hmm. of where you can do it. You can go out into the you know if you're out of town or you're outside or you're in the kitchen or whatever it is, wherever you go, in theory, if this all works correctly, uh, it would just work. So I think that's pretty neat. Uh, And hopefully we'll have some of these by the end of the year. Also, as a side note, I didn't put it in here. The Microsoft mixed reality headsets, which were made by what can Acer and HP HP, you think think so? I ordered the Acer one uh, and they charged my credit card. So I assume it's shipping soon. Um, and I have, I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea what the hell they're supposed to do. They're dead. That's the $300 one? Right yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
so it's it's sort of like a reduced VR. It doesn't do AR. It won't do uh, overlays, as I've knocked my microphone. But yeah. uh, it will let you interact with stuff. So, like, apparently one of the demos, they had a house, and the windows were your email program or another one. So I had flashbacks of Microsoft Bob and had to turn the video off. I think but there's a lot of... Seems interesting. I think there's a lot of potential for VR or probably more likely AR like Windows interfaces, like like if if I had a comfortable thing that I was wearing all the time and I walked around and wherever I was at, I could pull up my email type of thing. And if there was some mm-hmm. good interaction method for it, um, that would be good. I'm not sure how much more you – I mean, even sitting in front of a mouse and a keyboard, you basically get infinite screen real estate if yeah. the resolution were worth a damn. Um but that's the key. That's the key component there. That was funny when I when I moderated. I moderated a panel at Cigarette on Sunday, and the Google Daydream guys. One of his bigger complaints was that um, you need more resolution for these headsets, not because of the graphics, because your mind can kind of fuzz those a little bit, mm-hmm. right? But text, reading text, heads-up displays, and reading emails and stuff like that in VR is very poor because of the jagged edges that it that it provides. Yeah. So. The only thing that makes it better, in my opinion, is when you do the oversampling thing or the, I forget what it's called. Yeah. You basically do 1.5x. like. Oh, sure. And but I mean, at the end of the day, it. you still only have so many pixels on the screen. I know, I know. It just helps the but, aliasing a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what else was in the news? Oh, this was interesting. Um, so Wolfenstein 2, which is one of the Vega 64 pack-in games, if you go with the Radeon pack, will apparently use FP16 math for some shaders. Dosh, do you understand what that means? Do you understand? Well, do you remember back in the day in DX9? And correct me if I'm wrong, but there was partial precision and then full precision. Yep. NVIDIA supported FP16 and FP32, while ATI was FP24, which is still considered partial precision, but better precision than FP16. Okay. And then everybody kind of migrated to FP32 as the basic and standard. Correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, now we've gone back to the place where some people said, you know what? We don't need FP32 for everything. Why don't we do FP16 and get a lot more performance? I, I will say that the verbiage for this doesn't, doesn't, make, doesn't, like, doesn't make me feel good. Like uh, the verbiage is like, well, you can use FP16 when it doesn't have to look as good and it, or it doesn't look as good and it doesn't really matter as much, right? And you think that, eh, that's not why you get into PC gaming. But in reality, like that's all of gaming is a compromise of that of that kind, right? Otherwise, we'd all, you know, everything is ray traced 100% of the time. Um, so I, I like the idea. They showed a couple of things. Um, I showed a couple of things at the tech day where, you know, hey, this shader, when we've converted it over to FP16 instead of FP32, uh, runs 25% faster. You know, it's only one part of many shaders in this uh, application. So, you know, that might, you know, if we do this, we've done this to four or five shaders and it maybe nets us three, four, seven percent uh, total performance, right? So there's there's some real validity to that argument, but it does require developers to program and target specifically for it just like primitive shaders the new a new feature of vega requires developers to target specifically for it mm-hmm. um so we'll see how much this really matters in in time because this is not this is not a feature that pascal has 
right? They do not do, they do FP 16 math, but they don't do it at 200% of FP 32. Uh, I've, I've, Josh, you don't have to know what the, the rates are. I don't, I don't remember. Not on, not on Pascal, but yeah, I mean, if, if uh, a modern group of, of GPUs that didn't support FP 16, I mean, it would get, um, you know, it, it has a compatibility mode, essentially. You get an FP16 uh, command or, or instruction. It it takes up the same amount of space as an FP32. Okay. And um, so it just it's just a lot of wasted resources. Yeah. But it still can support that, uh, that functionality. But in this, they can actually split. An FP32 kind of, I guess, pipe, you want to call it, correct. to be able to do 2 by 16 Yeah, there was a uh, story that Anantech did that tested FP32, FP, so they tested FP64 and 16 in comparison to FP32. And on GP104, FP16 was 164th the speed of FP32. Jeez. So you would never do that. Uh, <laughs> you have to getting lower precision at 164th. The performance is a bad deal. Yep. But double it, and it's like you know, one thirty second. That's right. Uh, which is yeah. the equivalent, which is the exact performance they get of FP64. <laughs> so you could do double precision mm-hmm. at the same at the same speed. GP100 does do double precision or does do uh, half precision double pack math at two to one. So there you go. Obviously, this is something that we'll probably see in NVIDIA's next-generation architecture. So if there are advantages that, that crop up from this, uh, it will they will have it at some point as well. Um, okay. Is this our last story? Could be. I feel like we've I've heard the term BIX before. Yep. Talked about that last week. So what is Western Digital saying about BIX 3 that uh, uh, Toshiba did not say? Yeah, so like a month ago, BIX3. Toshiba announced... Um, Hey, we're gonna do uh, four level four uh, bits per cell, okay, on Flash. And then on the same day, Western Digital said, "Hey, we're doing ninety six layer." Yep. Right. Yep. Which is actually Bix four. Okay. Okay. Anyway, um, lighters. So now what we get is an, an a TLC or a QLC announcement from Western Digital. Kind of the same as what the Toshiba announcement was. These two was. companies work together on this technology, yeah, it's, correct? Yeah, okay. their Bix flashes between both of them, and technically SanDisk, because SanDisk is part of what digital. digital now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it, oh God, it's just, it's acronym soup here. Uh, so you have TLC, which is three bits per cell, which uh, in Bix terminology is called X3. Sure. And then four level, four bits per cell, is X4, okay. right? And they have uh, BIX3 and BIX4, which is 64-layer and 96-layer. <sighs> so you can combine... Marketing people... You can combine that, these two. Marketing that people named NAND yeah. stuff should be shot. <laughs> okay, so the announcement was to say, hey, we're announcing that on our 64-layer stuff, yeah, right, the slightly older now stuff, not the newly announced stuff. 96 right? stuff, yeah. We're pushing that to four bits per cell. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, and what that get what that nets us capacity wise is seven hundred sixty eight gigabits per die, which is ninety six gigabytes. It's ninety six gigabytes per each die mm-hmm. that's inside. I realize on the sixty four on the ninety six layer. 
on the 64 okay. layer. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> okay. I got it. I'm with you. I'm but sure the, the guys at Hallmark. But too. there's, so it was a little bit confusing <laughs> in the press release. And actually, some of the sites that picked up this post actually wrote wrong about it because, mm-hmm. like, so uh, the uh, TLC version of this on BIX 3 on the 64 layer was <sighs> yeah. 512 gigabit, which is 64 gig, right? Gigabytes. So. To go from one to the other was a 50% increase in capacity. Mm-hmm. But going from 3 bits per cell to 4 bits per cell does not give you 50% more. No, it should be 25%. No, it's 33%. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. you're right, you're right. Right? Going the other way would be 25% lower. Yeah, so it's 33% increase. So where did the other 17% increase come from? Well, they would just have to have reworked how, like, there's there's more cells, basically. Oh. So it's not the same exact die, and they flipped some switch, and they made okay. it go... because we were sitting here, you and I were having this discussion across our desks uh, yeah. about how, how does this math work out, and the answer was, they changed it. That's the only physical okay. way to do that. Okay. Like, it's just... The, right. It just doesn't work any way other than that. Uh, um, so, so it was good that they gave us some numbers, because there were no capacities per die in the Toshiba release a month ago. They just said, hey, four bits per cell. Official. Right. And that was basically it. Right. So now we have some numbers to go with it. So that's good. Uh, You know, it's almost 100 gigabytes per die in an SSD. Now realize SSD is typically when you look at an SSD with like chip packages on it, like there could be one die in there, but there could be up to four dies in there. Some companies even go higher than that. They try not to. But, you know, typical SSD could have several packages. Each package can have, you know, four dies inside of it. Typically is is the max. So that just adds up quick, right? Like for not that many packages on. Yeah. Is it? Oh wait. What? Is it ten cents per gigabyte? Uh, none of that's. Uh, none of that's here. However, I will say that this change, since there had to have been something else causing the increase, in other words, more cells, that does mean the dies are going to have to be slightly larger. You follow? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't just magically uh, reduce the price by fifty percent. You know what I mean? Because like it's you know nope. you have less care. of these nope. per wafer. Anyway, um, so uh, having the numbers from that and having these you know other announcements that all happen in parallel, like there's a hypothetical you can kind of go into, and that is well, what if you did the four bits per cell on the ninety six layer, right? Right. Which they hinted at at the end of their release. They're like, hey, we're doing this on Bix three now. We can we're going to do it on Bix four in the future. Basically, is what they said, right? right. Uh, they didn't give us numbers for that, but I mean, you can you can do math, right? You can just be like, okay, well, what if you just went from 64 layers to 96 layers mm-hmm. with the, all the other numbers being the same, right? 144 gig <laughs> per die. Like, that's more than, a, you know... Will that... Will that be 10 cents a gig? No, I, I don't, I don't 7 know. cents a gig. Ooh, I mean, yeah. A new standard to reach for. I like it. Yeah, and if you had... Uh, uh, not that they would necessarily produce this, but like, you can make a package with a 16 die stack in it. Sure. Uh, and if you did that, it would be 2.3 terabytes. Yeah. In, a, in one package. Package. <laughs> That's cool. Will it be? Well, it still won't be 10 cents a <laughs> that's, that's That's still $2,300. Is that? No, no. Uh, you know. For what? I wasn't paying attention. 10 cents per gig at 2.3 terabytes. Yeah. $230. That's why it's a ridiculous $230. metric. $230. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, and uh, that does seem kind of crazy when you say it out loud. And it? every time we Wait. go, every time we go down this yeah. road of hey, uh, you know, four bits per cell. Oh my goodness, the endurance and the reliability and everything just has to go 
down the tubes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the slide that I keep repeating in some of these posts, um, it doesn't say it flat out in the slide, but if you, where are you at? You got I'm on the slide. Up? Oh, yeah. So there's these numbers on the bottom there of the slide, and what they're trying to show you is like... Yes, exclamation point, exclamation point. No, no, no. They're oh. trying to show you like the margin. So like on the left, they're showing you, okay, if you had planar flash memory that was non-3D versus this 3D stuff, like how, what does your margin do? So for like MLC, it went from like one to six. So basically they're saying like you can store six times the number of electrons roughly. Okay. Right. When, when you move to this in, in the Bix format of yep. this 3D flash, right? So since you're going to such a high margin, you can get away with going to four bits per cell and still have a reasonable margin. I see. Right. Um, you know, reasonable amount, yeah. uh, you know, so that if you did have the same amount of leakage from either technology, right, you'd, you'd still be better off. Um, obviously. Got con- to control that. Well, you know. Got to control that. Um, but for the most part, I mean, you're going to have to, this is not going to be meant for like some enthusiast SSD. It's going to be meant for more of your, you know, mainstream kind of things when it comes out. Right. Gotcha. When, you know, it's not meant to, you can't just hammer away at this at this flash and do like random writes all day long. It's just not going to last that long. Uh, before we get into our picks of the week, I do see that our good buddy, our good buddy, Anthony Pettit is in the chat room. He is the one who brought us such amazing um, <laughs> thumbnails as last week's podcast thumbnail. Yes. Um, RS 360. Right. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like the based PC on- church, the church one, that was a classic. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yes. That's yes. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about, how he, the hurt his, he hurt his wrist. Which wrist? Uh, his Photoshop on wrist. His I think it's his left wrist. wrist. Is he left hand? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he's in the chat. I'm sure he'll answer. I just wanted to say uh, sorry about whatever happened. I'm sure it was Josh's fault in some capacity. I'm sure it happened probably. while he was trying to do, you know. He was probably trying to do a Photoshop so quickly yeah. in order to get a funny picture up of us that spasms. It was so hideous that he went. <laughs> TV fell on his arm. Put his his hand. Uh, want yeah, to smack his head. Words aren't escaping me. Just move on. All it's right, fine. fair. That's fine. We can do that. Let's get into our hardware and software picks of the week. Mine is um, a subset of one of the power, uh, products we talked about already: the Logitech G903. I've long been a proponent of the G900. I really liked that mouse. Yeah. Um, you can actually pick up the G900 for like 110 bucks today. I guess is that or because so? the 903 came out at 150? I, no, I, I mean Logitech products just kind of. They just oh, do that, right? Yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll 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 eventually come down off their MSRP a little bit. I'm sure this is part of it, but um, so if you, it's a really good design. I really like it. I mean, it's it's ambidextrous, know. so Anthony will like it if he's left-handed. Um, Wait a minute, does it not have buttons on the other side? No, it does. On this model, you can swap them. Yeah, you can swap them. But yeah. so Anthony, he he hurt his wrist after two screws. Uh, oh, there we go. No, okay. I've got that backwards. He hurt his wrist, and they inserted two screws. Oh, gotcha. Oof, yeah. that's bad. Well, no, there was one in there, which was what hurt him, and the second one's there to fix it. <laughs> you can actually, uh, you can actually add the other two buttons, correct, at the same time. Yeah, you can have mm-hmm. four, and there are additional four side buttons. Yeah, and there are additional yeah, yeah. buttons. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's one forty nine. You know, Mooncad makes a pretty good observation. What's uh, if you've got internal fixation? Screws in your wrist. Do you want to put it over the charging pad of your mouse pad? Hmm. Oh, I'm sure it's fine. This so, titanium, right? In, in Jim's story, you get a charge out of he it. He talks about that. There's nothing. Nothing is affected by the metal. It just has. It's less 
uh, efficient of charging if you have metal yeah. things like if you put your keys in the mouse pad they're not you're gonna, just they're not you're, gonna, you're not gonna heat up and eventually melt no but you're, you're uh, still you're dissipating but could we implant an led into his wrist that's probably true if you put in something you could probably you could charge your wrist up mm-hmm. while you're there <clears throat> yeah uh, for later. Sexy tax. For later. <laughs> Why does your wrist have a Hitachi tattoo on it? <laughs> That's not just a tattoo. It's illuminated from the back, oh, though, with that LED. It's an official company logo. Uh, <laughs> so the G903 is a really good mouse. If you, if you know you're never going to want to buy the power play, just buy the G900 while it's still available at less price. Um, but if I if it were me, I would buy the G903 and then have the ability to buy that wireless charging uh, power play mat when it becomes available later this month. Yep. So uh, that is my pick. Who's next? Uh, let me find the pages. Go ahead. Who's, who's Josh? So this Jeremy. was uh, a rotor that uh, Chris reviewed a few years back. Uh, it was not selling at 99 bucks in Canada f- at the time that he reviewed it. Yeah, it was uh, more like 150, which was excessive. But for 100 bucks, uh, it's not the newest thing out there, but it tested amazingly well, um, and it's DDWRT compatible. So if you don't like what's running on it there, you can completely re- sure. replace the firmware. Hey, this is the router I have. Yeah, I ran the I ran this router for a while myself. And for 100 bucks. Can't yeah. complain. Uh, fair warning. This is common issue with these with this the power, router the power is that button. the power button fails in the off position, and you have to disassemble the router and yeah. get a rig it to uh, keep on. Yeah. How many times did you even hit the power button? Like I hit it. I hit it once to turn it on, but it it <laughs> it, it's a it's a push in button that's spring yeah. loaded, and yeah. the spring just kind of fails yeah. over time. The spring is sprung, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, all this fell. All right, it's winter now. I'm cold as hell. What else we got? Next. Ah, oh, me. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is kind of interesting. Uh, this was sent to me by uh, Earl. Let me make sure his name is correct because I forgot it here a second. Earl sounds right. Cameron. That's not Earl, Earl. Cameron. It's, uh, I, I guess it's it's pronounced uh, Amicia. Wait, maybe I'm anyway, it's a link. Quake 2 real-time GPU path tracing using Quake 2. And uh, it's full-time ray tracing. It does do some rasterizing where needed, but you can scroll down and see the performance on uh, multiple... Uh, High-end cards, <laughs> Fire Pro W8100, 49.3 frames per second. So this is going to be kind of interesting. What's that? Fan ATI should get a solid 60 looking at that and extrapolating it out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Quadros, the GTXs, all that, uh, it could be interesting to see how this This video was posted in... today. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty awesome. Oh, awesome. no, I want to play so anyway, it's free. Uh, it's, we do have a game show coming uh, what, what resolution is a Max Q display? What resolution is that or running? Max Q monitor. I have Max no idea. Max Q laptop. Because that matters, right? Like, it'll go slower with the... Wow, look at those reflections on the floor. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty. Yeah, that's that is impressive. not there in regular Quake 2. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. That's right. pretty nice. Looking. This, this was benchmark. running on a Titan XP here. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's ray tracing. I yeah, exactly. I understand it. Real You're playing time. a game, ray tracing. Look, if if we uh, scroll away from this for a second, if uh, hold on, let me go here real fast. Where's that? Where's that video linked at? Or was did he add the link to his article? It, no, it was in the. Um, it's on that page somewhere. Yeah. Um, don't forget that uh, we had this story on the website back in 2006 <laughs> from uh-huh. Daniel Pohl, who now I believe still works at Intel as a, re- as a researcher where uh, he introduced everybody to ray tracing. This is a great set of, 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 uh, of stories, but they did quake three ray traced and then they ended up doing quake four ray traced. So I think it as about well. Quake four. Was he playing it? It was, it was, uh, yes, it was. Really? Like, look at those images. Like, those are, that's incredibly sharp. Um, I just mean, was he playing it real time? Or was he just uh, having to yeah, render a few is, frames? Is and, that, was that ever released outside? Uh, the, Quake, the Quake 3 one was for sure, but I don't know about 4. I think that might have been, well, let me see here. Um, okay, so uh, with it, this was on the CPU. <laughs> He's able to get... Uh, 16.9 frames per second on a quad core machine running at 256 by 256. All right, so okay. What is, right, trying so to figure out this article is a little bit. Trying to figure out what the resolution is. No, but it's is now, but this, it's running uh, on a GPU now instead of a CPU. So I don't know what the algorithmic differences are, as well. But uh, I, but that's like in a downloadable, playable state, right? Like I'm. Yeah, I'm all for that. I'll have to try it. We'll have to give it a shot. I'm not breaking the law if I play it, right, Josh? No. Promise? Open source, Promise baby. Isn't Quake 2 open, open source, source anymore? I think yeah. so. The the source is... The engine is. Yeah, the engine's open, but, but I believe the assets are still yeah. under license. Gotcha. Got to put I've it in that WAD file. I've got a Quake 2 CD here. I'm pretty sure you do as well. Here uh, is a video. Here's a video of Quake Three ray traced. Uh, The guy's just standing still. Here we go. So there's no. Looks like there's not. uh, There is motion there. It's exciting stuff. That's see. That's a lot of spheres. Tiny bubbles. A lot of reflections. I don't know what's going on with the shotgun necessarily, but you know, deal with what you can. All right. Who else is up? Alan, what was yeah. your pick? So uh, when I was growing up, I used to like those uh, electronics kits or anything that would like connect computers with electronics. Yes. Kind of like merge both things. Uh, ran across this. This is like a really, really cool looking thing for kind of like youngins to learn. Uh, you know, anybody into um, Arduino kind of programming or stuff like that. But think about this as a prepackaged. You don't have to solder anything. You don't have to go too deep into like learning code immediately, mm-hmm. but it is programmable. So there is like a way to program it and a way to like kind of code your own games um, hmm. with this thing. But it's basically it's called the Pixel Kit. It's just I don't know what the size of the array is, but it's basically just an just a box with a, with like an LC an LED display on it. It's like a little chunk out of like a display board at like a stadium, right? Kinda right, right. Um, just imagine that in a handheld format with a couple of buttons on the front of it and, uh, able to hook up to a computer and program and just make it do different stuff. Hmm. 
um, looks really cool. Um, you know, looks I like really a, think so. Looks like there's an awful lot of possibilities uh, to something like that, and uh, definitely could get your kid going in the right direction. As far as you know, if you're yeah into electronics yourself and you want your kid to kind of follow in your footsteps a little bit, maybe. And is two too young for this? Probably <laughs> two yes. is probably too young for this. Yeah. Hmm. Um, kid. Maybe you could put the eyeballs on it, like that was just there, and your your two year old might laugh at it or something like that. But uh, it looked pretty cool. It's like eighty bucks. Yeah. Um. You know. And then I kind of have the more adult version of that, uh, which is the kind of thing I would imagine Ken getting. Uh, is uh, number two there? Yeah. Fair. <laughs> That's cheaper. It's a <laughs> it's a twenty five bucks, and it's a bigger panel. Well, you have to the, bring your own Raspberry Pi. You have to bring your own Raspberry Pi. Yes, but uh. It is a uh does it does it say what the grid is? It's a huge it, they would in the specs. It's it's like twenty five by twenty five or thirty by thirty or something like that. LED panel RGB LED panel. Uh one of my friends in college when he graduated, he taped one of these to his the top of his hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's and pretty cool. He, he had a program that was nerds, pulling son. in yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> pulling in some information. I forget what it was even now at this point. I mean, you know, looks pretty cool if you want to tinker with something that would, you know, make a display. Square uh, RGB LED display to show whatever the heck you want it to show since, you know, it's connected to Android. I mean, or, or Arduino. Look at that. Oh, that was a... This is really bad demo sp- video. Oh, I don't think this includes the Matrix. What? Oh, that kid doesn't include the Matrix. It's the controller to drive the Matrix. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, it works with oh. either 16 by 32, 32 by 32, or 32 by 64 matrices. They sell. Mm. Well, that's annoying. Mm. Well, now I gotta find. Mm. I gotta find. You can also that. daisy chain them together up to a certain point. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what they showed in that video. That was uh, yeah, they had four of them running together. Yeah. And like a spectrum analyzer running it's across. It's still gonna be under a hundred bucks for. Yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't that's be. Cool. It shouldn't be that expensive to put something like that together. All Very right, cool. do we have anybody else? Did anybody else have one in there? No. Fantastic. That's going to end today's episode of the PC Perspective Podcast. One thing I'll say is go to pcper.com slash podcast. You can find all the back episodes, RSS files, MP3 files, video files, SoundCloud embeds. I don't know what the hell else is there. Links to all the stories we talked about today. Yeah. So uh, any of the pics as well will be included in there. So It also on. has who's on the show. Uh, it yeah. does have who's yeah. on the show. Yeah. Uh, pcper.com slash podcast. Go there. Uh, with that, we will see you guys next week. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walbrith. And I'm Alan Malventano. Bye. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.